Turn, if you would, to Philemon. It's probably the, your Bible's just the one page right before Hebrews. Just very short, 25-verse book. I'll ask the question because I'm sure you all are wondering. So, Jonathan, did, you know, mushrooms or the weed, which one did you go with? Uh, no? Okay. Um, see after. Gotcha. Mushrooms, that's what it was. Um, tonight, we're going to, as Jim said, we're going to be talking about prayer. And for those of you that were in uh, my elective this summer, I did do a session on prayer. And so some of this introductory material you might have already heard. Uh, but don't worry, it's not going to be the same lesson. We're going to springboard off of that pretty quickly. But this, this summer, one of the things that we covered... Uh, is that uh, we learn to pray by example. That's, that's, that's probably the primary way that we learn to pray. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray, he didn't give them a discourse. And I'm not saying that there aren't discourses on prayer that Jesus had, but in that instance, he said, pray like this. Right? He gave them an example to follow. One of the books that I read last year, and I, I liked it so much that I've got everybody, I'm trying to get everybody to read it. So my life group is going to go through it this year, and then a group of guys is going to go through it on Saturday mornings as well. But it's a book by D.A. Carson, and I just brought up a, a copy just to show people. Uh, it's called Praying with Paul, and he makes the same argument in it, that we learn to pray by example. He, he, he would say, the first public prayer that, you, that I probably ever prayed was in Elizabethan English. I don't know if anybody's ever heard somebody pray and then they get up and they, they say thee and thou and, and, and all those things. It's because that's how they learn to pray. Right? That, that's the, the scripture that they read. That's the, the people that um, they listened to pray. That's how they prayed. They didn't talk, you know, he didn't talk like that in the fourth grade, but that's how he was praying. Um, so we learn by imitating. And so in this book, he goes through the prayers of Paul. And what I want to do tonight is look at one of the prayers of Paul. And as I looked at them, uh, overall, over the, the entire um, New Testament, there was one thing in them that really convicted me that I was not very good at. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming to you tonight because I have this part figured out. This is out of my own lack that I um, speak tonight. I, I'm, I'm not good at this, but this is something that, that as I saw, I was like, okay. This is something that I need to get better at. Hopefully, a slide comes up here. Yeah, okay. Um, this is Philemon, verses 4 through 5. And in it, it says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. I don't know how familiar you are with the book of Philemon, so I'm just going to give you a quick background on it. Philemon is someone that Paul knows. He's, he's stayed at his house before. If you look in, towards the end of the book, more than likely Philemon owes his faith to Paul. It's somebody that, that he knows. But he had a slave named Onesimus. And if you look in verse 10, it talks about... Um, Onesimus, he says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. And, and what Paul's saying, he's became his father in the faith. He's somebody that, that Paul led to Christ. And then 
in verse 12, it says that he is sending him back. So he's going to, Paul is going to send Onesimus back to Philemon and he sends him back and he calls him. He says, I am sending my very heart. Philemon, Onesimus is my very heart. So he's sending him back to Philemon. Uh, we go on, we, we find that, that um, uh, truly uh, Onesimus was Philemon's uh, slave. He says, because I'm sending him back no longer as a bondservant. So he was a bondservant. He says, but more than a bondservant, right? Now he is your brother as well, a beloved brother. And somewhere, Onesimus has done wrong to Philemon, has cheated him, has uh, stolen from him something. Because uh, Paul says, if he has, this is in verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And I don't know if any of you have ever um, paid for something, uh, signed up for a mortgage, uh, and had to, to, to uh, sign away your life on that. Paul does the same thing. I, says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Like he is, there is some kind of debt that Onesimus owes, and Paul is willing to repay this. So this is somewhat of the background of the letter. But he starts out with a prayer. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And he says this. The prayer is, is going to have... Um, we're going to look at this from two, two parts. First off, we're going to look at the content of the prayer. And he says, and he starts it out with thankfulness or praise. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. And if you look, there's, there's three things about um, his thankfulness that I want us to take to see. First off, right, is that it is not Philemon that he is thankful to, right? It's the object of the thankfulness. The object of the praise is God. He says, I thank my God. Second, we're going to, take, we're going to see is the frequency of it. Right? He says, always. And then he qualifies it. When I, when I remember you in my prayer. So every time that Philemon prays, or every time that Paul prays for Philemon, he thanks God for it. Every single time. Always. And he says, for this specific reason, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. He recognizes graces that are in Philemon's life. Right? He, he, is, he has found something that God has done and is being played out in Philemon's life. He says he has love for the saints and faith in Christ Jesus. Tonight, it's going to be really simple what I am talking about. because and, and we'll go through the rest of the prayer. But this is the part that convicted me. How often are my prayers that way? That when I remember somebody in prayer, that I remember their graces. That I remember what God has done in their life. Because most of the time, when we're going around, let's say, in life group, and we're taking prayer requests, it's usually some kind of problem, right? You know, maybe somebody's not feeling well or somebody is busy or you fill in the blank for the list of things that people ask prayer for. And then I look at that. My eyes focus on what is lacking as opposed to what God has already done. And I'm not saying we don't, we don't pray for the request, but am I... Am I doing this? Am I, when I pray, 
praising God for what he's done in somebody else's life. Even if there's, let's say, a problem that uh, we run into. I, I, I know I'm not the only person that has looked at another person in the congregation and said, you know what, I want to pray for them because they really need help with this. <laughs> All right? um, they, they, there, there is some lack in them. But, but I ignore everything that God has done in their life. I ignore um, the growth that God has given as opposed uh, to seeing what, he's, what, what work there still is to do. Like, I, like I focus on, on the work still to, to go as opposed to the grace that God has already given. And it's not always helpful for our spirit. It's not always helpful for our love. And as I look through the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, I want to take you through this because it's just amazing when you take a look at it. And I should have been advancing my slides. That way you would have seen the, the, the red, uh, I thank my God, and then the yellow always. So those are the two things, though, that as we look through these prayers in the New Testament that I want you to see. And I, and I, I put several of them on here. I didn't even put all the ones that we could have. Um, this is Romans 1.8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. God's working. The Romans' faith is being proclaimed in all the world. And, and Paul is in his prayer thanking God. Right? That's the one in this list that doesn't have a, a, a time frame. This is Ephesians. It says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the, toward all the saints... I do not cease, there's our always, right, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, right, in every prayer of mine for you, uh, uh, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I thank my God, always. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. You see, there's a grace. There's something that God is doing. God is the one that's doing the love for all the saints, right? Like, he's working in the Colossians' life so that they have love for all the saints. And Paul is saying, I thank God every time. I always thank God um, that that is happening. 1 Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, we also thank God constantly for this. For when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Second Thessalonians 1. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for another is increasing. Once again, always we give thanks to God. 1 Corinthians 1.4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy, I thank my God, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day as I remember your tears 
I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Do we, do we see the pattern? It's not once. It's all over the New Testament. And frankly, for me, it's a lack of my prayer life. And so today I wanted to encourage you along this route. That when you pray, that when you remember each other in prayer, are you thanking God for what's done in their lives? And are you doing it sincerely? I, Paul's not manufacturing things, right? He's, he's not like, oh, okay, I got to think up something so that I can thank God for it, right? Like that's because the, the one book that um, I left out was uh, to the Galatians, I think is how we learned how to pronounce it tonight. Um, uh, Galatians, he, he calls them you, you, you foolish Galatians, right? Like they're, they're, you don't have a prayer like this in that book. Um, because it's a serious thing that he's addressing. But in our, in our, the vast majority, this is the only letter where he doesn't have something like this in it. Where we thank God for what he's done in somebody else's life. Second thing that we're going to look at. First off, the thankfulness uh, to God. The second is the, 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 what he's asking for. What is, uh, if, if we look at our Acts model, it's the supplication. What are, what are we asking God for? And he says this, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So he is, he is praying for effectiveness. Effectiveness in what? The sharing of your faith. Now, it would have been really great if that meant witnessing <laughs> because that would tie into the, the, uh, the theme of this month. But the word there that we have for sharing is the word koinonia, uh, the word that we would translate fellowship. And Jerry Bridges in his book, True Community, he, he would define it as sharing of a common life, right? So we have a common faith. We share it. And... Um, he gives four elements to koinonia, to that sharing. One is a community relationship. Uh, the second is of a partnership. And last week on Sunday morning, we heard a great sermon on um, us as a team, right? Like we, uh, Daniel went through Romans 16 and we talked about how there is a team that Paul is uh, addressing there at the end of the book of Romans. So, but that partnership. Um, third, a communion, right? Like this, it's, it's almost like the fellowship of our faith. And then the fourth is that there really is something about a sharing of material possessions that, is, uh, that has that idea in koinonia, that the sharing of the faith. So, so he, he's, he prays that, that that fellowship of their faith is effective, right? And he, it's... And, and, and this is uh, confusing the way that the ESV has it. But um, another way to translate it would be, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may promote the knowledge of all that is good, all, all good that is ours in Christ Jesus. Right. So he wants the saints to have all the good that's in Christ. He wants them to experience it all. Right. Everything that's in Christ Jesus, all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, he wants the saints to experience. And he wants the fellowship of the faith that Philemon has with those other believers there to be effective. And that's what he's praying for. And the reason that he gives this request is found there in verse seven. 
And he says, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Why am I asking for this? Why do I want your faith, your, the, the fellowship of your faith to be effective? Because the hearts of the saints are going to be refreshed by it. I get joy and I get comfort because everybody's faith has grown and they are all experiencing Christ in a fuller way. So, how does this tie in, right, to the rest of the book? Like, is this just a prayer that we have at the beginning of this book? And then we're on to the next thing. And I think this can be helpful even as we pray, even as we pray for each other. Like, it's something to remember. Because what he's praying for in this prayer, you're going to see reflected in the rest of the book. Right? If, you, if you turn over to verse 17, he says, so if you consider, you, if you can see, he sent Onesimus back to Philemon. Or he's going to send him back to Philemon. And then he wants Philemon to receive him in a certain way. And he says, so if you consider me your partner... Receive him as you would receive me. And that word partner, the root of that is koinonia again. So I am praying, right? Paul is saying, I am praying that your faith, the fellowship, the koinonia of your faith is effective. And I want to experience that as well, right? I want you not only to partner with each other, I want you to partner with me. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. And then he says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, your own, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And we have the end of the prayer. Paul has been praying to thank God for what... God is doing in Philemon's heart and that the saints are being refreshed, right? He has love for the saints. He has faith in Christ. Through that, the saints are being refreshed. And Paul is saying, refresh my heart. You've been doing it. Now do it for me as well. And so we see the things that Paul is going to ask from him personally, he is already praying for. So these are things that we can take as we pray for other people, not to manipulate. We're not doing this to manipulate, but to, to love them, to um, do this. And, and Paul says to, to Philemon, for your own benefit. He says, I could command you to do this, but I want you to do this for your own benefit. Uh, I could command you to receive him as a brother, but I'm, I'm asking you to do this so that you benefit from it. It's truly out of love for, for Philemon and Onesimus that this letter is written and that this prayer is here. What would it look like for us to pray this way? Um, Brandon shared a, a testimony tonight. Could I pray, Father, thank you that Brandon was able to talk with his coworker about scripture to the point that if something happens in this coworker's life where they come to Christ, he tells Brandon of it. Maybe not every single co-worker he has, but he knows that Brandon is somebody that would be interested in this. 
right, because of something that Brandon has done in the past. Um, Pam Levan, I, I, the, uh, uh, she shared several requests this summer in the electives, but one of them was for a friend of hers that she is burdened for uh, the gospel, that she would come to Christ. But when I think of Pam, and it was so encouraging to hear that this is somebody that, that Pam has a heart for. Right? But when I think of Pam, do I think to myself and do I pray, is this the model of my prayer? Heavenly Father, I am thankful that Pam is sharing your word. Help her to do it. Like, so I have, I have the pattern where I can pray that they will, um, where I can pray thanking the, for, for what God is already doing, but still requesting that his grace would be, continue to be evident in Pam's life, that she would continue to share. Right? Like, can, I, can I hit both sides of that? But what is my heart like? Uh, this afternoon I read the Huffstetler's prayer letters, or prayer letter. Uh, one of the things that they talked about was professor nights. So they, they're, they're working at a, a seminary in Uganda. And so one of the things that they mentioned is that they'll have a group of students over for professor night, where it's more intimate, they're, they're sharing a meal, um, they're intentionally discipling them in that meal. But can I thank God that the Huffstetlers are working in this way? Can I praise God that there are men that are seeking to go into the ministry that are able to be encouraged at the Huffstetler's house and then ask him also to give fruit to that ministry? Like, can I, is both, are both sides of it? Am I starting with praise? Am I always, every time I ask God, or, I, or every time I mention somebody in my prayer, am I thanking God for what he's done in their life? And truly, what comes, from, what comes out of this is that we end up praising God for what he's doing, not for what the people are doing, not for what necessarily Pam's doing, but for what God's doing in her life, not necessarily for what Brandon's doing, but for what God's doing in his life. Um, and do I have that same consistency where this is what I do? I'm going to thank God for these people, and I'm going to thank him for the work that he's done in their life. I think if, if we prayed like this, it would do a few things. One, it would promote unity. If we prayed for each other like this, we would be unified. And I say this as somebody that doesn't pray like this, right? That's trying to now. But if we did this, we would love each other. Part of what Paul is doing in this letter to Philemon is he wants to promote unity. There's nothing that Paul is going to ask Philemon to do that is out of bounds for any Christian, right? He's asking him to receive a brother as a brother. Well, Jesus asked us to do the same thing. It's nothing special about Philemon doing it. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 25, um, whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did to me. So he's already, like, you know, for, forget this letter. Philemon was already supposed to act this way. But Paul, I think, is trying to promote unity in this. I, th I think it would also promote love. It's a lot harder to be angry, even in a situation um, where somebody 
has something that they, they, they need to work on, right? Um, or some uh, deficit in, in their life. It's a lot harder to, to be upset with them. It's a lot harder to, harder to be angry at them if you're looking for what God is doing in their life. It's a lot easier to love somebody like that. And so I do think it would promote love. And then we come back to the idea of a team. Like the idea we talked about last Sunday morning. We're, we're all in this together. I mean, we, it, it really is a team here. Um, our, our slogan here is, or one of our slogans, I don't know if it's our current one, um, every member ministry, right? We, uh, we do want every member to be ministering. And so as you go through um, the church directory, as you flip down through Simple Church, and you're looking at the people, are you praying for them? But do you know them well enough that you know what's going on in their life, what you can praise God for? You know, could you, could you look at Nathan and, and, you know, I thank God that he is back in the sound booth every week and he makes these slides go, even though I'm not on the right slide, I don't think. Um, that's all right. Um, you, you know, that's, that's my fault. That's not Nathan's. But can I thank God for what he's doing, right? Um, can I thank Deneen for being back with the, was it the three-year-olds? Are you the three-year-old Sunday school, right? Can I, can I, when I think of Deneen, am I thanking God that she's doing that? Every time when I, when, when I, when I pray for her, am I mentioning her that, and am I mentioning my thankfulness to God for these things that he's doing in her life? As do we know each other well enough that as we go down through simple church or the church directory that we can say, you know what? Thank you, God, for doing this in their life. Um, and I don't think we always do, but it's a goal. It's something that we can work for. We're about to go to corporate prayer, right? We're going to do corporate prayer. There's going to be, I think, probably five names on this, uh, on this slide. How are we going to pray for them? Are we going to only look at the need, or are we going to look at what God's done in their life? Are we going to thank him that they're faithful members of church? Are we going to thank him that, um, that he's worked in their life to, to the point where they've accepted Christ? Do we always thank God? And that would be my challenge this week. As you pray for each other, as you go to life group and you go around the circle and you pray and you think of requests and, and, and uh, what people are asking a request for, can you turn that into a praise as well? And not just to be able to, to manipulate the words, but how is your heart towards God? Are you truly praising? Are you truly thankful to God? And hopefully, this will help you. Hopefully, it will help you to love your brothers more. Hopefully, it will help you to pray for them better. Hopefully, it will help you to thank your God for what he has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how it instructs us. I pray, Father, that you would help us to, as we pray for each other, that we would love you. And that we would love your work. Father, you gave yourself for your people. And I pray that we would honor them as well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.